0: I'm going to talk today about lust, and last week, Trey gave you the advice of coming and not making eye contact with the uh, speaker. <laughs> you all are looking at me, and I'm pretty sure online we're making eye contact too. So um, anyway, this this message uh, is not—it is about lust, but it is not about lust in the way that we typically think of lust. Typically, we think of lust as a sexual craving or a temptation or a sexual sin— Um, and that is definitely probably the most uh, well-known definition of lust, but we're actually going to talk about lust when it comes to our desires. We're going to talk about lust when it comes to our appetites, the things that we long for, the things that we crave, the things that we think about. So this is not a a message about uh, food or gluttony, but I am going to talk about food a lot because I love food. Now, um, who are my foodies in the room? And if, if my loose definition of a foodie is someone who you love to talk about food, you love to think about food, you love to plan your special events and vacations around the meals that you're going to eat. I mean, so like whenever we do a family vacation, it's always like, okay, on Tuesday we can get Olive Garden. And then on Wednesday, we'll take it easy and just get Chick-fil-A. And then on Thursday, you know, maybe we'll do something special like a meat cheese or something like that. So anyway, um, but as we talk about desires and appetites, I, I, we're gonna talk a little bit about addiction today uh, and just the downward spiral. But I wanted to start by, by listing out the 18 most addictive foods. You ready for this? And if you're a foodie, I'm sorry. This is going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle for me. All right. The most addictive food. I won't do this with all of them, but just can you guess what the most addictive food is? It's specific. It's not like sugar or bread. Like it's a specific type of food. Can anybody guess what the most addictive food is on this list? I heard chocolate. Anybody else? French fries, hamburgers. Okay. Chocolate was number two. The number one most addictive uh, food on this list. This is a study done by the University of Michigan was Pizza. Yeah, and the, and the choir rang out. Yes, especially if it's a, the blonde Greek pizza from, from Amici's. Oh, yeah. Chocolate was number two. Okay, chocolate. Number three is chips. And if you're a churchgoer in the South, it's chips and salsa. El Charo, anybody for lunch? Yeah. Number four is cookies. Chocolate chip, not oatmeal raisin. Number five is ice cream. hmm Number six was french fries. There you go. And number seven was cheeseburgers. Number eight is soda. This says not diet, but I think people can be addicted to Diet Coke. I'm pretty sure. Number nine is cake. Number 10 is cheesecake. But I think number 10.5 should be uh, cheese. Number 11, bacon. Oh, <laughs> Father's Day's coming, y'all. Number 12, fried chicken. Man, starting to. All right. Number 13 is rolls. Number 14, buttered popcorn. And if you're me, it's from the movie theater. You're just walking by. There's the smell. Just the smell. It's all I need. Number 15 is breakfast cereal. Cinnamon toast crunch. Lucky charms. There you go. Lucky charms. Number 16 is gummy candy. And if it's me, like it's that sour, tangy stuff, like transparent, transparent moment. When I see that stuff on the shelf, sometimes like I can start like, like salivating, like back here, those glands. I know it's embarrassing. It's gross. I'm sorry. Number 17, steak. Good old ribeye. And then number 18 is muffins. Those are the most addicting foods according to the University of Michigan. And we laugh about that and, and have a lot of fun, but... Uh, you know, today as we talk about this, this idea of, of desires, of, of our appetites, yeah, food is one manifestation of an appetite. But what I want us to understand is desire, our appetites. Desire is good, okay? Desire, the fact that we long for things and we have an appetite for things, is good. It's part of God's design. God designed us to uh, have an appetite for food, God designed us to have an appetite for uh, building things and accomplishment and and working. And and God built us to have a desire for uh, connection and community and and sex. God uh, designed us to have appetites for those things. God designed us to have an appetite for sugar. Not a lot. But desire is good and God designed it that way. But the problem is... The problem is sin, this is what we've been talking about through this whole series. Sin twists our desire into lust. Sin twists our desire into lust. We've been talking about this throughout the whole series about how we take something that is good and holy and designed by God, but you, you mix it with sin and it turns into something that is, is not good, that is unholy, unwholesome. Sin twists our desire into lust. And we know this, okay? We, we live in, in a nation where everything that we see is built towards satisfying our appetites. I mean, I, I heard a rumor, and I think it's true, that the movie theaters pump the smell of popcorn into the, uh, the lobby or whatever. And if they do, I don't mind, because it's just like, yes! But Trey, last week he talked about this. The, the ethos in which we live is like a fish living in water. Appetites, satisfying our cravings. It's just, it's the, air, it's the air that we breathe. Not like what we were saying earlier. We live in a, in, a, in a nation that really is a gratification nation. And so I want to kind of explain a little bit, just kind of scientifically, what is going on when we indulge these appetites, okay? There are four feel good happy chemicals that our our brain releases into our body when we uh, indulge in an appetite. Okay, there's endorphins, there's uh, dopamine, there's serotonin, and then there's oxytocin. Okay, Uh, all the different, those different feel-good chemicals come into play at different times, depending on the type of uh, craving that we have or the type of activity we're engaging in. And those are all good chemicals. But here's the thing. When we indulge our appetites and we feel those chemicals, if left uncontrolled, we can become addicted, knowingly or unknowingly, to those chemicals. You know, we joke about chocolate being so addicting, right? The reason it's addictive is because it releases those chemicals every time you eat it. So let's, let's take bread, for example, okay? My wife is a baker, and she bakes these sourdough loaves that when they come out of the oven, like the, the smell just kind of wafts everywhere, okay? And so um, normally when I eat a, a loaf of bread or something, like you know how you take the, the heel or whatever it is out of the bag, you kind of throw it to the side so you can get to the actual like slices of the bread. When she slices that part off, that is like the part, Like that right out of the oven with some of that, uh, you know, that butter, the olive oil and sea salt butter. It's like, oh, yeah. Like that's the best part. So bread is good. I mean, we've been singing about daily bread. Like there's a reason that bread shows up so much in the scriptures because bread is good. And God designed us to have an appetite for bread. But what happens, okay? What happens when we eat bread? One. We feel those pleasure chemicals, whether it's dopamine or, or uh, endorphins or whatever it is, we feel those pleasure chemicals. And our brain rewards us for consuming bread with butter on it. But if I keep indulging that appetite, what happens? If I eat way too much bread, not only am I going to look like I'm married to a baker, these love handles are coming in nicely. You could develop health issues. You become bloated or constipated. Too much butter, saturated fat, you clog up your arteries. If you keep eating bread, uh, depending on who you are, and the, I don't know how all this works, but maybe you could develop a gluten allergy or, or maybe, uh, uh, you know, become a diabetic of some sort. Like too much of a good thing becomes not good. But our brains, if left uncontrolled and left unchecked, triggers our desires and our, and our cravings to crave more of those feel-good chemicals. Now, you can substitute anything in the place of bread, like we just talked about. So these are some of the most common things, common activities that I, I see us doing, myself included, that you could substitute in the place of bread where too much of it is, is, is unholy and they become, can become addicting. Number one is TV, entertainment, Netflix, Disney Plus, video games. Like when you are watching a a movie, when you are watching the news, it, it produces new information, and that new information triggers dopamine. That's why when you scroll on your phone on a news feed or a social media feed or TikTok or whatever it is, when you see something new, it triggers dopamine in your in your brain. And it's so easy to do and so easy to get that you're just able to reward your body with that more and more and more. And you slip into this addiction to a screen. You can be addicted to exercise. Exercise is good, but if you do it too much, you start thinking about it too much. You start wanting to do it too much. I mean, you experience those endorphins, but if you do it too much, is it really doing you that much good? Good if it's taking your time away from the things that are really important. Sugar, sex, shopping. Shopping is closely related to hunting and God designed us to where you go out for the hunt and you, you get the kill. It, it releases accomplishment chemicals like dopamine and, and oxytocin and all these different things. That's the same thing that's happening when you go shopping. You, you look for it, you find it, you buy it, you bring it home. And if you're a man, you're holding a a piece, a slab, a hunk of meat. And if you're a woman, you're holding a big old fancy purse. Drinking, whether it's soda or or alcohol, a little bit's okay. Even Paul said to Timothy, drink some wine with your evening meal to help with your indigestion, whatever the, the ailment that Timothy was suffering. Paul also says, don't get drunk. lust happens when we take these appetites that are designed by God in a good way and they take over lust defined by dictionary.com is a overmastering craving or desire and that's the key word overmastering When the desire consumes your heart and your thoughts, so much so that you end up doing something that you might not normally do or that you know is unhealthy, but because the desire is there and you've thought about it, you've dwelt on it so much, you give in. And you feel bad for giving in. So you do it some more to help you feel better. It's the downward spiral of addiction. So, the question I have, and you may be wondering this too, is okay, so where's the line? Where's the line between appetite and desire and lust? Or even where's the appetite? For, where's the line between indulging in an appetite in a godly way versus overindulging in a, in a way that's too much? I don't know. And when we don't know, The answer is to be wise and to be guided by the spirit and let the spirit speak to your heart about what is good and holy, because if you live by the spirit, you will. And that's the first thing as we as we look at this, this idea of how do we untwist this sin? How do we untwist the the lustful desires back into the God designed appetites that we were meant to have the first thing is to live by the spirit. and So uh, we're going to look at a, a, a scripture, um, a passage in Galatians where Paul paints this picture. Okay, It's a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be mastered by sinful desires and cravings versus what it looks like to be mastered by the spirit's desires and the spirit's cravings and the results that either of them produce. Okay, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. If you're watching online, you want to maybe just open a tab, go to BibleGateway.com, Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to be in the NLT. We actually have NLTs in the uh, seat backs in front of you if you want to follow along. It will also be on the screen. But this is what Paul says, okay? This is, this is the picture of what it looks like to live by the Spirit when it comes to our appetites and our desires. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay? Our sinful nature, our our flesh, it has desires, it has cravings. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Okay? Sometimes Paul just has got to state the obvious for us, but we need that. Okay? And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires, okay? So uh, the Spirit, if you submit to the Spirit, the Spirit will give you desires. If you continue to submit yourself and live by the Spirit, He will produce in you desires, good desires, holy desires, okay? Now, the sinful desires and the Spirit's desires, okay? These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. This is why, as a follower of Jesus, you can still fall into this trap of lust and addiction and, and all these different things. Because this fight is not going away. Okay? There is a battlefield in our hearts and in our minds. The two sides are waging war. And we have to choose the Spirit daily. Daily because this fight is not going away. All right, verse 18. So when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Okay, real quick, Uh, in the greater context of this passage, Paul is talking about what it looks like to obey the laws and and for the the law of Moses, which is the 10 commandments and the first five books of 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 the Old Testament. Paul is saying that it's not by living according to those and obeying those that make you holy. Okay, it's not about following the rules. It's about following Jesus. Verse 19. Because it's about following the Spirit. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear, okay? When we overindulge these appetites, when we've lusted and we've, we've thought about them and, and desired them and harbored them in our heart, here's what happens. Here's the result, the ultimate end result of those desires. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Where do you think impurity, sexual immorality, selfish ambition, dissension drunkenness, wild party, where do you think all of those start? It doesn't start when you're at the party. It starts in here. It starts up here when you're thinking about it, when you're longing for it, when you're craving it, when you're desiring it. Now, here's the contrast, okay? But Holy Spirit, okay? If you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, to what the Spirit desires in your life, Here's what the spirit produces. It produces this kind of fruit in our lives: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and I wonder if there's a reason it's the last one listed, self-control. Self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, these things, submitting to the spirit, will make you holy. Not simply following a bunch of rules and regulations. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. In other words, they're dead. They are good and dead. Like every day I, I put them on the cross let them die the death that Jesus died and I rise again to new life with Jesus. You decide to do that daily. I've crucified them there. But since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So question I have then, how do we follow the spirits leading in every part of our lives, especially when it comes to this concept of our appetites, lustful pleasures, our desires, our cravings. Well, Jesus gives us one really practical way to do that. And the result is eternal life. He says to deny yourself daily, Take up your cross and follow me. And that's what we have to do. We have, that's what we have to do. We have to, to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. You remember the verse? Mark chapter 8. You may have heard this before. This is what he says. in Verse 34. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Other translations say, deny yourself. If you try to hang on to your way of life, you will lose it. In other words, (laughs) you can't keep doing the same things you've been doing. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? What do you gain if you inherit all the bread in the world, but lose your soul? All the wealth, all the pleasure, all the success, all fill in the blank. But what does he say? Give up your way of life. Deny yourself. And that's really what we have to do. We have to practice telling ourselves no. No. Hannah and I both love a good soda. I'm a Dr. Pepper fan. She's a a Cherry Coke Sprite fan, depending on the mood or which pregnancy it is, like depending on the craving. But sometimes if we realize we're drinking too much soda, we'll just simply say, hey, we need to take a break. Like we're thinking about it too much. We want it too much. We're buying it too much. We need to take a break. And so we'll just take a month off. Simply to practice saying no to ourselves. We have to practice saying no. But here's the thing, okay? We can't just say no to something. You can't just say no to an appetite or desire. You have to say yes to something else. Something even more powerful, more holy, and more better. You have to say yes to Jesus. Now, I could probably speak on this topic from like two or three weeks to really dive into it. This really hits home to me because I know what it's like to struggle with addiction because for years and years, I had an addiction. I was addicted to pornography for ever since I was a young, young man. And it ruled my life (laughs) for the better part of 15, 16 years. I wanted to stop, but I never could. I never chose to. I always chose to give in to that craving and that appetite. But then in 2015, the Lord finally caught hold of me, brought my sin out into the light, brought, brought me into the light. And through the help of the Holy Spirit, through the help of my wife, huh, through the help of a counselor, through the help of a, a few close friends, I finally was able to walk away from that addiction and now i live free i know how to say no and i say no in here in here before it ever gets to taking action and if i ever turn around and and tell people what is the key to uh, stepping away from from that addiction one, you have to do it with the Holy Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Submit yourself to the Spirit. Fill yourself up with the Spirit. But then I I also tell them, you have to remove that appetite and that addiction with something stronger. And that's what I did. You have to remove and replace. So what did I replace the appetite with? Well, I replaced it with the truth of Scripture. With Jesus, who longs for us to have a good, full, rich, satisfying life in Him. Listen, when I gave up that addiction, because when you're addicted to something, it just like all of your brain power and your heart go to fulfilling that appetite. But once I walked away and put something else in that place, when I put Jesus in that place, it was like new chambers in my heart and my mind were opening up. And I was doing things that I had never done before. Like I started woodworking. Like I, I made Hannah for our anniversary that year. I made her like a, an L-shaped double-decker plant stand to hide our air conditioning unit out on the back porch. I'd never built anything like that before. I rediscovered my love for reading novels, the rich good stories of C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and Andrew Peterson. I discovered a new gift for systems and processes in my work. And uh, God introduced me to the love of communication and marketing, which is why I now am able to have the position that I have now. When I removed that and replaced it with Jesus, he shaped my heart's desire. And that's what we have to do. We have to remove those appetites, the sinful versions, the overindulgences, and desire Jesus. We have to desire Jesus because he satisfies I just want to walk through a couple of scriptures. Okay, a couple of scriptures. Let's let's put the first one up there in in Matthew. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Go to the next one. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. This is not fluff, these are not just feel good statements. Do you know what it's like to delight yourself in the Lord and for Him to give you your heart's desire? It's probably something you didn't even know that you desired. Because we're so distracted by the cravings and the lusts and the appetites for these things. Alright, go to the next one. Ah. Oh, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Y'all, being a follower of Jesus is not boring and bland. It is full and satisfying. If you're struggling with lust and appetite of, uh, of something, you may not be able to see this. But if you submit yourself to the spirit you will begin to open your eyes and open new chambers in your heart and mind to have even greater capacity for the good things, the the rich and satisfying life. That doesn't mean life is going to be easy. That doesn't mean you're going to have everything that you think you want, but your life is going to be good. Whether it's in life or in death, you will be filled, gratified, satisfied in the Lord. And this last one, put that one up there. Bread is everywhere through scripture. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. You don't need no butter. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Desire Jesus because he satisfies. Paul said it was going to be a fight. Those two things are fighting against each other. So how do we live by the Spirit? How do we deny ourselves daily? We have to fix our eyes on Jesus daily. And so I want to end by reading Hebrews chapter 12, just a passage. It's not, it's not going to be on the screen, so I just want you to listen. And let the words let the words hit you right here. Maybe even just close your eyes. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. The sin that so easily distracts us and, and calls for our attention and calls for our affection. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. When we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and he is the center of our desires and he's the center of our affection and he's the center of our intention, everything else fades in comparison. You guys remember the old hymn? If you know it, Join me and sing with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow straight. Those words were not written for no reason. Desire Jesus because He satisfies. Let's pray together. Lord, we submit ourselves to You, we humble ourselves before You. Lord, this world is good. You designed it. But Lord, this world also is broken because of sin. This world wants our attention. It wants our affection. So Father, I pray that you would help us every day to choose to submit ourselves, live by the spirit, to gratify what the Spirit desires. Lord, help us to deny ourselves and follow Jesus, giving up our way of life so that we may save it, so that He can save our life. And help us, Lord, when it is challenging. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus and remember that He is who satisfies. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.